and we've come to Genesis 15, so let me just read this to you, and then we'll see where we go from there. After these things, what things? Melchizedek, that's right, last week. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abraham in a vision. Fear not, Abraham, I am your shield and your reward shall be very great. Wow. But Abraham said, O Lord God, what will you give me? For I continue childless and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. And Abraham said, Behold, you have given me no offspring, and a member of my household will be my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him. This man shall not be your heir. Your very own son shall be your heir. And God brought him outside and said, Look towards heaven and number the stars, if you are able to number them. Then God said to him, so shall your offspring be. Abraham believed the Lord, and he counted it to him as righteousness. God said to him, I am the Lord who brought you out of Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to possess. But Abraham said, O Lord God, how am I to know that I shall possess it? God said to him, bring me a heifer three years old a female goat three years old, a ram three years old, a turtle dove and a young pigeon. And Abram bought all these, cut them in half, and laid each half over against the other. But he did not cut the birds in half. When the birds of prey came down on the carcasses, Abram drove them away. As the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell on Abram. And behold, a dreadful and great darkness fell upon him. Then the Lord said to Abraham, Know for certain that your offspring will be sojourners, that's journeymen, wanderers, in a land that is not theirs, and will be servants there, and they will be afflicted for 400 years. But I will bring judgment on the nation that they serve, and afterwards they will come out with great possessions. As for you, you shall go to your fathers in peace, and you will be buried in a good old age. And they shall come back here in the fourth generation, for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet complete. When the sun had gone down, and it was dark, behold, a smoking firepot and a flaming torch passed between these pieces. On that day, God made a covenant with Abraham, saying, To your offspring... I will give this land. Some churches, they say, thanks be to God for his word. Thanks be to God for his word. Let's do something amazing. Let's pray, shall we? Precious Holy Spirit, would you be our teacher right now? Father, I expect your word to do its work. Father, it's not my skill as a preacher, but it's your power, your awesome power, the power of your penetrating word that can bring life and can change our hearts. 
Father, in your mercy and in your grace, let your truth come alive and bring life to us right now. May signs and wonders follow your word today. God of the breakthrough, break into our hearts, we pray, in Jesus' name. Friends, I cannot tell you how excited I am this morning. I can show you on my notes what I had a sense God saying to me since Thursday, which was, Jesus was teaching and the power of the Lord was present to heal. Exactly what David started with this morning. Either we're playing games, messing about, or that is the truth and the word of God. I believe that God is going to heal this morning. Yeah, amen. I believe God's going to heal this morning. Yeah. Boy, do we need it. So let's have a quick brief overview a view of where we've been. Abraham, Abraham, as we know, he was a heathen. He was an idol worshipper. And God, in his amazing grace, called him and chose him. He gave him directions, and Abraham started this amazing journey. And God had promised Abraham uh, increase. And as a businessman, I reckon Abraham was pretty up for that. And yet we've seen in previous weeks how Abraham, he lied, how he drew his family into the lies, how he deceived people, and how that deception caused an awful lot of pain to those around him. And yet God, in all of his grace, did not wash his hands of Abraham. Isn't that incredible? Doesn't that give you hope? It gives me incredible hope because of the grace of God. We fouled it up. God does not wash his hands of us. Abraham, he was, he was a practical guy too. He'd been going around with Lot, his nephew. They'd come to some land and he said to Lot, look, our two sets of cattle can't survive. So do you want the nice land or do you want the grotty land? And Lot said, I'll have the nice land. Thank you very much. You see, God had already promised Abraham, Abraham that he was going to bless him. So Abraham wasn't too precious about trying to get the best for himself in the short term. That's true for us too, brothers and sisters. Let's play the long game. God said he's going to bless us and he's always going to be with us. Let's not necessarily take the quick, easy option. What happened to Lot? Well, it all went pear-shaped, didn't it? And as we heard last week with Steve, Abraham actually had to step in and uh, had to fight and bring deliverance to Lot and his family. So despite his faults and his weaknesses, God showed great kindness to Abraham, and Abraham even showed principles of God's heart to Lot. He gave him a choice. He rescued him when things went wrong, and Abraham delivered Lot from his enemies. What a wonderful God. So we come to this point that we're at today. Abraham's already had quite an adventure. Now, he could have maybe written a book at that stage. Uh, maybe he could have gone on God TV. You know, he, he got a call on his mobile in his tent, and they said, we hear you met Melchizedek. And he went, oh, amazing. I, I've got to come and tell you all about it. He'd had a lot of great experiences in God. But this was just the preparation, because there was still much more fulfillment of the promise to come, greater promises to come. I feel very stirred. I know for myself, many in this room, a lot of us have had some incredible experiences in God over the years. And 
in my immaturity, what I used to do was build a little altar to those experiences. Years ago, I was in Sri Lanka, north of Jaffna, you know, where the tigers are, the scary part, and um, ended up leading worship in the middle of the jungle, (laughs) surrounded by these quite scary people. I've had the privilege of speaking in prisons in the centre of Russia. And uh, many, many years ago, Julia and I were very involved with a very well-known healing ministry. And they would invite me up the front to pray for the sick. And things happened. And the mistake I made was I would build a little altar to that and spend the next 10, 15 years just longing to be back then. But God says we have to move on because he's got something more for us. Praise God for the healings that he's done through our hands. Praise God for the financial provision. Thank God for the breakthroughs that we've seen. But he's got so much more. Whether you're retired or young, do not give up. God is still just starting with us. I really believe that. And I say that to you from a place of real brokenness and emptiness. God has got so much more for us. We're going to ask the Holy Spirit to show us. He has so much more for us. So the key question, I'm sure all the 14-year-olds would be asking, is, well, why is Abraham cutting all these animals in half? I mean, why is that in the Bible? Well, it was an ancient practice about making covenant or making agreement. And uh, the Chambers Dictionary is very interesting on this. It talks about a covenant. It says a covenant is a sealed formal agreement. It's a formal binding agreement. And interesting, the Chambers Dictionary says of the Bible that it's an agreement made between God and some people or persons. We'll have a look at that later and you can decide for yourself whether you think that's actually true or not. So in those days, two people, they wanted to make a covenant, so what they would do is they would prepare a sacrifice, they'd chop these animals down the middle, and then the two parties would walk between the divided carcasses. And what they were saying is, we are making this covenant together, we are making this commitment to one another, this agreement, and if we break this, then that is what's going to happen to me. Cutting off. Nice. Then the carcasses were burnt to symbolise the acceptance of the covenant. Nice, isn't it? Jeremiah 34, 18 and 19. There will be notes on the website, but Jeremiah 34, 18 and 19 refers to this. And it says, I will give the men who have transgressed my covenant, who have not fulfilled the words of the covenant which they made before me, when they cut a calf in two and pass between its parts. The officials of Judah and the officials of Jerusalem, the court officers and priests, and all the people of the land who passed between the parts of the calf. So it was in those days, that's how you made an agreement. A covenant agreement carried life and death significance. Blood had to be shed for the covenant to be of value. There was an ultimate price for covenant, and that's death. So here's God. Here's God. Wow. And he asks Abraham to bring the animals and divide them. And maybe, maybe Abraham thought, hmm, maybe we're moving into covenant territory here. Maybe he was excited, fearful, puzzled. 
What? God and I are going to make a binding agreement together? Perhaps he considered what this partnership would be like and how he could contribute to the partnership. But after he'd laid out the animals, the sacrifices, he's laid them out, maybe he's thinking, right, it's time to walk. And what happened? Nothing. God made Abraham wait. Hallelujah. Now, I know God's never made any of you wait, <laughs> but God made Abraham wait. And what happened? The birds of the air, like Disney film, the birds circle and they come down to attack the sacrifice. You know what? We've got a few birds circling around this church, a few birds circling around promises and things that God has promised you and promised us. We make a sacrifice. We step out before God. And what happens? Nothing. And then the doubts and the anguish and everything start circling. In Mark 4, in the Gospels, Jesus talks about this. It's in the parable of the sower. The sower doesn't sow an evangelistic word. He sows the word of God. And it says, he sows the word and the birds of the air came down to steal the word. And friends, the enemy wants to steal the word of God that he said to you. The promises that God's given you, even scriptures that have been shared this morning, the enemy wants to rob that from you. Do you know how you drive it away? You use the word of God. The word of God, this two-edged sword sharper than any two-edged sword this book is. It's the word of God. Don't be robbed don't be robbed of what God has said to us, to me. Don't be robbed. Take the word of God and faith and say, Father, I'm going to stand. Did you give sacrificially recently when we had the offering? Now the gas bill's come in. Did you give sacrificially and now the boiler's broken? Let me tell you what the Bible says. Let me tell you as those birds of prey come down and say, oh, you shouldn't have done that. It's a bit stupid, isn't it? This is what the word of God says. The word of God says, my God will supply all your needs according to his riches in, not me, in Jesus Christ. Bible must be in context. What's the context these people had given? Given sacrificially. When the birds are circling over the promises that God has given you, take the word of God and use the word of God. This is the truth. I will not, will not be robbed. Who chased the birds of prey away? God? Yes? No. Good. No. Who has to chase the birds of prey away? We do. How many prayer meetings? Oh, Lord, I pray that you'll just do this and you'll just do that. He's saying, I've given you all things. You do it. <laughs> in my strength. Not in my personal strength, but in his strength. So, the birds of prey are circling. They come down. Abraham had now done all he could do. He was now, I believe, in a place of weakness and exhaustion. And like any good man of God, he fell asleep. So he falls asleep. Now, if that had been me, I would have felt really bad. I've tried to do all this for God. I've tried to do that. I've tried to hold the word. And here I am, now falling asleep. 
But you know what? Sometimes it's when we are sleeping and sometimes it's when we're at peace then God can start to deal with us. Psalm 46 and verse 10, it says, Be still and know that I am God. It says, Be still, relax, let go. Cease striving and know that I am God. Next bit, I will be exalted. God is in control. I, I felt quite, quite overwhelmed a couple of weeks ago when Margaret here, she read Psalm 23 during the worship. Does anyone remember that? Margaret read, I believe that was a very prophetic, prophetic time. I believe that was really prophetic. You know, he makes you lie down in green pastures. I think we've had three or four people in the church this year who've had surgery. And you don't go into surgery and say, well, doctor, I've got a problem with uh, my kidney. I need an operation. Um, catch me, catch me. Catch me, catch me. Here I am. I need an operation. Oh, you can't get me yet. Oh, no, no. What do you do? He has to knock you out, cut you open, sort it out, and then you recoup. But if I'm running around the operating theatre and he's chasing after me with a scalpel, he's never going to get my kidney sorted out. And my friends, it's the same for me. In my Christian walk, God says something, I'm off. Sometimes God says something, rest and see if he wants to say something more. He makes us lie down. We crave action. <laughs> but God just wants to be with us, to stop and to rest and be with him. He'll do what he wants to do. God will have his way. When we rest, we can hear him. Be still and know that I am God. So there we are. The Bible's great. It says it was dark and it was night. I just love the Bible. It's so practical. <laughs> and Abraham kind of comes around from this terrifying dream. He's kind of a bit all over the place. Very drowsy. And he sees fire. He sees fire. Fire moving between the animals between the sacrifice. Oh, I believe that the smoking oven and the fire, I believe that that symbolizes God. Many times in the Bible, we see God represented by fire. You know, the burning bush, it's on fire, but not consumed. Kind of got God's fingerprints all over it. The pillar of fire that led the children of Israel through the, through the wilderness. Here's the crucial point. It was only God who passed between the divided carcasses. Because in reality, this is a covenant or an oath of one party, God. Abraham will and had already failed to keep his promises to God. But God keeps his covenant promise. Abraham had agreed to nothing but God had bound himself, bound himself in the utmost seriousness to fulfill the promises that he was making. It's amazing. The promise will be fulfilled because it's based on God's name, God's character, and God's grace. God affirms his promise based on himself and not on Abraham. 
I feel that there's a terrible danger in the day in which we live that we can be fooled into thinking that somehow we contribute something to our salvation. Spirit of the world, there are many, but one is self-reliance. Unsafe people, there's a common grace, give to charity, do good works, don't hurt anybody. Christians, read the Bible, care for the poor. It's all good stuff, you know, that's good. Not knocking that. But the Bible is very clear. It says, all have sinned and all have fallen short of the glory of God. If I could get that in my heart, it would radically change (laughs) the way I shared the, the gospel, I'm sure. Not in a harsh way either. It's very, counter, very countercultural. We've got to be crystal clear that we were all born sinners and we all need a saviour and God has provided that in Jesus Christ, our Lord. We might pay a terrible price for that one day, but that is the truth. A man called Adrian Warnock has written a superb book called Raised in, with Christ, which I've really been enjoying the last few weeks. And he says in there, he says, he comes across some people that say, yeah, when I meet God, right, when I die, I meet God, I'm going to have a word with him about suffering. I'm going to have a word with God, right, about what he's done and what's going on in this world. I'll have a word with God, who everything. I tell you what, when we meet with God, it will be the blazing, white hot, incredible, multi-million nuclear power, white heat of God. We will be on our faces in worship. How dare we say, God, what are you doing? How dare we? I'm just calm down. He's God. He made us. He chose us. We will fall on our face and we will worship. There's no other response. The covenant, it's all of God. It's not of Abraham. What we do here, it's all of God. It's not of me. It's all of God. The story, clearly, it points way beyond Abraham. Ephesians 2, 12 and 13 shows us that the covenant is about the finished work of Jesus Christ. Not a Jesus still dying on the cross, but one who has risen and has completed his work, victorious, right hand of God, period. Hebrews 8 verse 6 tells us that Jesus is the mediator of the new covenant. Blood had to be shed for this covenant that was made, but the precious blood of God's own son was shed for this new covenant to be made. And it was God who paid the price, not me. Bible tells us that Jesus is the Alpha and the Omega. It's a kind of a Greek way of saying He's the very, 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 very beginning, and he's the very, 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 very end. Nothing before, nothing after. Jesus. And yet in Romans 5, 8, it says, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Hallelujah. Thank you so much, Lord God, that you died for a rotten person like me. Whether I'm a great charity worker or a lousy sinner, I thank you that you died for me. The death of Jesus on the cross made a way for sinful man to have a route back to God. God has made a new covenant. It's very unfair and it's very one-sided and it's all for our benefit. Praise God.
Let's settle it once and for all. We bring nothing to this table except my sin, my rebellion. We can debate all we like, but one day we will meet God face to face. Whether that's the great white throne, the big black throne, the striped throne, I don't know, but we will meet him. I don't know what I'll say, but I think, I hope it'll be something like, Lord, I'm a sinner, but thank you that Jesus has saved me. Thank you. You know, you like the old Strictly Come Dancing, X Factor. <laughs> what do we do? Ah, what do you, th- you know, what do we do? Oh, yeah. I'll vote for them. I'll give my opinion. Thousands of people write their blogs, don't they, on Twitter and Facebook. That's fine, but don't be fooled. There is only one way to heaven. And no man's opinion will count for anything then. It is Jesus Christ, him crucified, risen. I must not make the mistake, the crucial mistake of thinking that I can bring anything to the deal. I can't. We are so completely, totally and utterly reliant on the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the only way to eternal Christ, to eternal life. He's made a one-sided covenant for our benefit. He died on the cross and underline in big letters, get this into your theology, he was also raised from the dead. Let's be careful we're not a church who are completely cross-centred. Yes, be cross-centred. Very important. Yes, yes. But also, never forget, he rose from the dead. And he appeared to Mary, and his first words were, Da-da! No, it was Mary, don't weep, sorry. He's risen in a glorified body. He sits at the right hand of the Father, and he can set us free today. And Lord God, we need to be set free. (laughs) Oh, Jesus, we need you so much. He's raised us to life with him. And we can now, because Jesus has risen and he's at the right hand of God. Yes, the world's in a rough state. Yes, there's terrible things going on. I don't understand it. I've seen some of it when I've been abroad firsthand. I can't give you any clever answers. But what I do know is that we are on the victory side because of Jesus. Don't fall into the trap of thinking Jesus is still suffering on the cross and feel sorry for him. He's a glorious risen saviour who gives life and health and deliverance is going to provide blessings for this church he's going to sort steve's salary out he's going to add men and women and young people and children to us not because of anything we are because we're simple sinners that say jesus god we need you so much strengthen us i'm getting excited now here's your homework hebrews don't look it up because it's homework and i bring it back next week and i have my red pen but read hebrews 13, 20 to 21. I challenge, challenge you to just spend 10 minutes this week over a cup of coffee, cup of tea. Have the telly on the background if you want. It's not, there's not a do and don't. Just have a look at it. It's amazing what Jesus has done. But we are going to read 1 Peter chapter 2. Peter, it's near, the, it's near the back of the book. Good book this, I recommend it. Even better when the guy who wrote it helps teach you comes to life then so it's 1 Peter chapter 2 well-known verses could I hear these with fresh ears this morning 1 Peter 2 verse 9 it said you are a chosen race a royal priesthood a holy nation a people for his own possession 
Hello, God's possession. Hello, God's possession. That you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvellous light. So we don't just sit there getting blessed. We take that out. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Hallelujah. We have received mercy. Wonderful. Psalm 106 verse 8 says, He saved them for his name's sake, that he might make known his mighty power. That's Old Testament. Hebrews 7.22 tells us that Jesus is the guarantor of a better covenant. So, here's some thoughts. Psalm 25.14 says, The friendship of the Lord is for those who fear or reverence him, and he makes them know his covenant. Friendship of the Lord. Be nice to have a friend like that, wouldn't it? The Lord is our friend, not just the one we serve. Friendship of the Lord is for those, and he will make them know his covenant. Abraham made mistakes, but God didn't wash his hands of him. I've made mistakes. You've made mistakes, some bad ones. But God today does not wash his hands of you. Maybe God's calling you to have a a period of rest, a period of being still, not necessarily inactivity, but to take some time to let him speak to you afresh. I'm in a period like that at the minute, and it is very, very difficult. So Jesus will bless you and you'll you'll love it. It's really hard. Almost breaks you. (laughs) But maybe the Lord just wants to say, come aside, be still and know that I'm God. Yep, keep working, keep serving, that's fine. But in that, adjust life. Be still and know that I'm God. Because when it's quiet, it's amazing how much racket there is going on in there before the word of the Lord can get through. Because it was the word of the Lord that spoke to Abraham. If you read the beginning of the story... God didn't appear in a big robe going, Hiya! It's the word of the Lord. Maybe you need some time to rest and get refreshed in God. Maybe you've experienced a lot in God. You know, powerful ministry. You were at a church once and you ran the youth work or whatever and it was really great and I don't know where it's gone but it was so good what we did. Maybe over the next few days you'd like to get aside with God and say, Father, what have you got for me that's new? Is this something you've said to me that I've missed? How, how can I be refreshed and re-envisioned to walk in your ways? Maybe you don't yet know Jesus as Lord and it just doesn't really make sense. But God is offering you life. Simply you just say, Jesus, I'm sorry for what I've done wrong. Come and be in charge of my life. It's really sort of as simple as that. It'll cost you everything, but it's worth doing.
It's not about religion or being religious. It's about having a relationship with a living God. Would you like to stand, please? It's quite warm, isn't it? Warm. Air out a bit. Just, just as best as you know how, just want to kind of present yourself to God, maybe put your hands in your lap, or if you're more comfortable sitting down, that's fine. But the Bible tells us in the, worth of the, word in, in the mouth of two witnesses, something is established. And we heard that Jesus was teaching, and the power of the Lord was present to heal. We heard two weeks ago that Saul took the name Paul, which meant small. He came in weakness and in trembling to to speak and to minister to people. Because then he said, you can see it's God and it's not me. I'm in a pretty broken place at the moment, pretty messed. But I tell you what, Jesus is wonderful. Jesus is awesome. As God moves by his spirit this morning, I can guarantee you, and Steve and Julia can confirm this, it will not be me. (laughs) It can only be the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Philippians 3.3 says, We worship in the Holy Spirit, and we glory in Christ Jesus, and we put no confidence in the flesh. Father, I pray for my brothers and sisters. Lord, I pray for those Pray for those who are unwell. Father, I pray by your Holy Spirit that you would continue the good work that you've started in them. Lord Jesus, that you would bring refreshment and ease. Lord Jesus, I pray for those who are struggling in their mind, a little bit all over the place. Lord Jesus, I want to thank you that you break yokes. Lord Jesus, people who struggle in their mind with mental health, it's a huge issue which we hide under the carpet, but Jesus came to set people free. Not so you roll around the carpet and scream, but our lovely Jesus. Lord, I want to thank you that you set the man free and he was sitting in his right mind. He pleaded to go with you and you said, no, go back to your hometown and tell people how good God's been. Lord Jesus, I pray that you would set us free, set me free, Lord, from the battles, the unreasonable battles we have in our minds. Lord Jesus, I pray for people who need that refreshment, Lord, who need to be still. I pray, Father, would you minister to them Would you make them lie down if they have to be made? And Lord Jesus, I believe that you will release great ministry and great anointing through some today because they stop and because they rest. Holy Spirit, come upon those 
who've had great success in the past, who maybe have come here from other churches, who've left ministries, who've left success, left where they've been known. And Father, I want to thank you that there is hope. The book of Job says that when a tree is cut down and there's a stump, yet at the scent of water there are shoots. Lord Jesus, I pray that you pour out your spirit and water dry tree stumps today. This dry tree stump speaking now as well. And Lord, that the way we're just starting to see the daffodil shoots coming out, Lord, that we would see shoots of recovery. Father, sweep by your spirit amongst us. Not now for a show, but over these coming hours and days. He who began a good work in you will, will, will bring it to completion. Because of Jesus, not because of my or your own efforts.